This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. The real estate market's been a bit of a turmoil in 2023. What is going to happen in 2024? Today, we're going to discover what to look for in 2024 and what to do about it right now and into the future. And we have with us a uh, real, one of our real estate gurus, Keith Weinhold, who's been with us before. Um, I've been on his show. Uh, we've been friends for a very long time. Keith, it's great to have you on the WealthAbility Show. Oh, Tom, it's a real honor. It's been a couple of years. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So um, let's start with, uh, uh, if you would, a little bit of your background and how you got into real estate in the first place. Yeah, sure. I was raised in Appalachian, Pennsylvania, in a lower middle class home. And when I graduated from college, just with a humble geography degree, I fell in with a group of friends, Tom, that I would call aspirational. And I think we all might have heard the famous quote from the late business philosopher Jim Rohn, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Take your five closest friends, average their educational attainment level, average what they're doing on a Saturday night, average the way they dress. That's probably about who you are. And two of my five closest friends bought a fourplex building as their first ever home. They lived in one unit, rented out the other three as their first home ever. That sounded scary to most people, but to me, it took on this context of normalcy because two of my five friends were doing it. And I learned it was just a three and a half percent down payment. I could buy a fourplex building, live in one unit, rent out the other three with just a three and a half percent down payment. As long as I lived there for 12 months, you only need a minimum credit score of 580. This is something very actionable for your audience or for beginners or especially for a younger person. And what that really showed me, Tom, is that I don't want to focus on getting my money to work for me. That's a middle-class mindset. Getting your money to work for you, that's kind of a 401k middle-class mindset. I'm going to work in a soulless job until I retire. What I learned from that first property, Tom, and I since went on to extract equity from that fourplex to buy more properties, is I don't only want to get other people's money working for me. I can get other people's money working for me three ways at the same time like I did when I bought that fourplex building with a small down payment. I got the bank's money to work for me with leverage in the loan. I got the tenant's money to work for me by paying the mortgage and the expenses. And thirdly, I got the government's money working for me at scale with a fourplex building. You know you don't want to focus on only getting your money to work for you. With buying an income property with a small down payment, you get other people's money to work for you three ways at the same time. So that's how I began and how I got into real estate and how it really transformed me and changed my life. So so you did that very early, right out of, right out of, right, sounds like it was right out of college. That, it was. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. All right. So fast forward, this is what you do full time. Yeah, and uh, you, 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 it sounds like you dumped your geography uh, degree, or geo was it geography or geog geology? It, it was geography. You're right. It doesn't geography. have much to do with real estate. I guess they're both location, location, <laughs> location, but they're fairly unrelated. Yes. There, there you go. So, so, uh, so that college degree, great, good. You got it. But 
now you're making money and you're doing it in real estate. Right. So um, we've, we've seen a big upheaval in the real estate marketplace. And I know you do a lot of work in single family homes and yeah. the smaller rental units, right? So first of all, what have you seen in 2023? Um, we've had guests on here talking about multifamily and commercial. Um, we haven't had anybody until now to talk about what's going on in the single market rental single single family rental market and the and the uh plex what we call the the plex rental market so what are you seeing what have you seen has happened in 2023 yes you're right i deal largely in the one to four unit space really tom what i saw happen in the year 2023 is we saw mortgage interest rates probably hit their peak for this cycle at just over 8% in October of 2023. And really, I think what we saw is a lot of people learned something I've been talking about for a few years. And really, Tom, I think the most important lesson for 2023 and going into 2024 is the understanding that the housing crash you know, there is an absolute 100% certainty of a housing crash. No one has clairvoyance. How could someone be 100% certain of anything? That is because the housing crash already occurred. It took place in spring of 2020. It was a housing supply crash. That's what's helped hedge us against a price crash despite the highest mortgage rates that we've seen in about 40 years. You've seen one to four unit prices stay resilient because we still have demand and we have this dearth of supply and it's a pretty inelastic condition. We just cannot so pull ourselves why, out of why, it. Why is that? So we've seen, so over the last, um, uh, let's, let's explore this for a second. Over the last several years, so we had a huge... Um, a, 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 a huge need for supply in the, in the multifamily. And when we saw, and then we saw bonus depreciation come in in 2017 right. and we just saw, I mean, everywhere I look in Phoenix, Arizona, there's a multifamily um, apartment housing project going up. I mean, literally like every other corner, that's what's going up. And so a lot of that's been built. And so there, there's still, there's, I, I know there's still, they're, they're still building, there's still there's still demand. Um, what happened in the what what's happened in the in the in the small unit where they the supply hasn't increased like it has in the large multi-unit? It's continued to drive demand. And yet, Tom, I was recently in the yeah, but, but I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, I want to bring you back to this. Why? What so so in the in the multifamily unit. Uh, units, we've seen the supply come up. So we're, we're, we're close to having enough supply. We haven't seen, you're saying we haven't seen that in the single family in, in the Plex market. Why haven't we seen more construction in the single family Plex market? Is it because, is it because all the money's been going into the, in, into the multifamily? Is that what's going on or what caused that? You've had an increase of institutional money in the single family home space, but not as much as you have in the multifamily space. Got it. Brought in new investors with those economies of scale that multifamily projects demand. I saw cranes in the air, a lot of them in Denver, Chicago, and a few in Boston recently, uh, most of those building multifamily projects. There just aren't enough single family projects. And the demand, so we're talking about the supply, the demand has stayed high for a few reasons. 
the population growth in the United States is only about one half of 1%. It's really down, but the family size is smaller. It's about the way that people choose to live. And the other thing that's really driving demand for single family homes, and they have a difficult time creating enough supply, is millennials are the largest cohort in American history, more than 80 million, bigger than the baby boomers. They're ages 27 to 43. These are prime household formation years. When people form a household, they want to form a single family household more so than an apartment place. So they're coming of age, they're prime home buying age, and there are more of those people than ever. And, and I, would presume, I would presume that the high interest rates has actually helped the investor market because it it's put the buying of a home out of reach so that more people are renting. Is that fair? Gosh, that is such a great point. There is such an affordability constraint with higher mortgage rates and higher home prices. Yes, it's been most difficult on that first time home buyer that really wants to buy. You know, the 200 to 250K starter home has pretty much disappeared. So that poor affordability, what does that do? That drives more people into the renter pool. So you're so correct, Tom, driving demand for rents. Um, now, the, the biggest issue, of course, is, but what about buying rental properties in the first place? Because now you have, the, you know, for the for those who are now getting into um, the investor, you know, for our new investors, people who want to start investing, which is uh, really kind of your uh, your sweet spot. Um, now they've got this these high home these these high interest rates and high home prices. So what are what are people doing about that? Or what did you see? Um, are the rents enough to, to uh, are, are the rents enough to overcome those high interest rates? No, rents have moved up, but really most of the national rent appreciation was a few years ago in 2021 and 2022. Since then, price growth has outpaced rent growth. So that is a problem for new investors. So I think you're asking, you know, where, where do you get in? Where's the opportunity today, 2023, moving into 2024? Where's the opportunity for an, an investor? Previously, oftentimes it was existing single family rental homes. That's tilted. That's changed. Really, the opportunity is with brand new construction, one to four unit property, because what a lot of these home builders are doing is they're offering these really generous incentives to investors in what's known as the uh, BTR or B2R space, the build to rent space. A common scenario, Tom, starting about a year ago, is that a builder of new construction build to rent homes will offer the investor a 2% rate buy down. They'll buy down your mortgage rate by 2% or some of them even more and offer one year of free property management. So these builders, they need to keep turning over the inventory. They need to stay in business. So that's what they're offering to investors. So my point is, if you can do it, because typically you have to pay more, I would go for a build to rent, a new construction investment property, more so than an existing property. Let me ask you a question. So there was, uh, a, it's probably been a, a year or two ago where um, there was this whole, um, these articles about Elon Musk living in a fifty thousand uh, dollar tilt up, basically home, right? The 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 little the small little home, and are you seeing construction costs? Because that was you know if when you're looking at things like three D printing of a home and uh, other things, are you seeing construction costs coming down for smaller single family homes or plexes? No, we're really not. And I'm so glad that you brought this up, Tom. Um, some people think um, like Boxable, 
There's a right. company where you can buy a very yep. inexpensive home, or sometimes you see headlines that, hey, at Home Depot, you can now buy a kit for a $40,000 home. But what a lot of people aren't considering or don't realize, and, and some of this is true with 3D printed homes as well, is you still have the cost of the land. You still have some labor costs to go ahead and build these properties. And then oftentimes, you know, these properties don't come with the, their penetrations and they're not plumbed and so on. And by the time you add all that up, you're, you're really not saving much of any money. Um, 3D printed homes still have the difficult, it's still very difficult to print a second story of a 3D printed home, something that might change in the future, but we're not on the precipice of that changing. So you still have a lot of these ongoing fixed costs, especially with land and labor and utilities that a lot of people just don't think about when they see the headline of the, the $40,000 home right. kit that you could buy from Home Depot. That's interesting. So, of course, one of the most important things to be uh, thinking about is cap rate, right? So when, when people buy a home for themselves, they're not thinking about cap rate. They're just thinking about what's my payment, right? That's pretty much what they're thinking about. But when you think about as an investor, you always have to look at cap rate, which uh, for those um, who are listening who don't know, is simply your net operating income. So your income before your mortgage and divided by the price right? That's, that's your cap rate. And one of the challenges in 2023 in real estate has been where cap rates are actually lower than interest rates. A juice, is that still the case? And do you see that changing in 2024? It's going to be hard to change that quickly in 2024 because the value of five plus unit apartment buildings is predicated on their profitability and their cap rate, that's why we've seen a 25% decrease in the value of multifamily properties. So cap rates are gonna stay about where they are in 2024 because we don't see much uh, chance for substantial rent appreciation due to inflation. A lot of tenants are tapped out. However, though, in that difference, that spread between the cap rate and the interest rate, most everyone expects that interest rates are going to go lower in 2024. I think interest rates are notoriously difficult to predict, so I'm not about to make a prediction. Uh, hey, I'm still going to ask. I'm still going to ask. Yeah. All right, so get out your crystal ball right now. People are listening. Um, this is being recorded. Everybody's going to hear this forever and ever. This is your shot, Keith. Predict interest rates this time in next year, December of 2024. What do you think interest rates will be? If they are, and currently, so they're currently right around what? What are what, what are you seeing mortgage rates at right now? Seven. They're almost exactly seven right now. And this is a 30-year fixed okay. owner-occupied rate. Okay, 7% owner-occupied. What are they for a renter for, for a rental unit property? Three quarters of a percent to 1% higher. Okay, so let's say they're 8%, all right? So I can do this math. So we're at 8% today, end of 2024. What do you what do you expect the interest rates to be? I think they're only gonna be about 1% lower than they are today. So that's about 6% for the owner-occupied rate. I don't have great confidence in that. I, I can predict prices better than I can interest rates. Interest rates have to do with the, the bond market and a whole bunch of different factors in the world, but that's what I can tell you. But you know, here's one thing that I can help you, the investor, think about. And that is the fact that if you think that we're headed for a recession, an economic recession, that has a strong correlation with a lowering of interest rates of all types. It's especially in the mid and late stages of a recession that you see a lowering of all kinds of rates. 
including mortgage rates. And why is that? Well, that's because the, the powers that be, the Fed, they recognize what the economy needs help. So we're going to ease rates. So if oh, you and, think and, we're headed for a recession, lower and, rates. And a recession, a recession basically is deflation, right? So it's the opposite of inflation is deflation. That's where a recession comes in. So here's, here's a question for you, Keith. All right. So are you predicting a recession? I don't know. That's really difficult to say because people have been talking about this recession that's forever just around the corner for more than a year and a half. Tom, you already got me going out there further than I, I even <laughs> wanted to go with predicting. Right, you know, be bold. Come on. Be bold, Keith. Well, Tom, Tom here's here's what I say. What, when I want to predict the future of what's going to happen, I often look at history over hunches. Hey, okay. Hey. So, you know, we have the history of the inverted yield curve and the higher mortgage rates. So I will say it is more likely than not that in the next 12 months we'll have an economic recession based on history over hunches. So there I, you go. <laughs> I, I love it. That, that, you know what? That's great, Keith. Thanks for being bold out there. Um, so you, you heard it here. Keith Weinhold is predicting a, a recession or at least a downturn, right? We won't, we won't, we won't use technical term recession, but downturn in 2024. And, and, and what you're talking about here, the inverted yield curve to make sure everybody understands that normally a long-term rate is going to be longer than a, uh, going to be higher than a short-term rate because, um, you're, you're taking more risk in a long-term rate, um, when you're talking about, uh, investing in a bond, but an inverted yield curve long-term rates are shorter, are, are, are lower than the short-term rate, right? So the short-term rate is higher. So what happens is, is that that means that people think that it's going to come down, down the road, right? And so they actually think that the, so the short-term rate ends up being higher. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. So that condition's been inverted. It's It has not been normal. And oftentimes that's the, right. the precursor so to a recession, which still hasn't come. Exactly. So historically, what happens is when that curve changes, and it's if you look at the if if you want to go on, there's plenty of websites you can go to to see and just type in just Google inverted um, yield curve, and what you'll see is is that historically, way more often than not, I would say eighty to ninety percent of the time, after the yield curve goes back to normal, that's when we start seeing the recession, because that that that's an indication that guess what? Things are coming down again. And the American economy has been really resilient. It has surprised so many people. In fact, Bloomberg predicted a 100% chance of recession in 2023. 100%. A lot and, of people have been fooled. And yet no recession in 2023. So, not, so not technically. Yep. So given that that's so difficult to predict, what are you telling your investors as far as how to deal with this? Because um, home prices have come, have kind of leveled off, but have they come down a lot? Home prices and uh, fourplex uh, prices? No, they really haven't. Over the past year, we've had two to three percent appreciation, pretty modest, lagging behind historic appreciation rates by a little while. Um, most expect inflation to stay somewhat elevated into 2024. And, and real estate is more than just a hedge against inflation. Income property with a loan, that's actually a vehicle where you can profit from inflation. So, you know, we talk about history over hunches. The history is long run inflation. And, and, and you know, it's funny, Tom, um, 
sometimes don't you wish the powers that be told you where the target was or what they're trying to do? Like people are always trying to figure out the YouTube algorithm or, or the Facebook algorithm or something. Well, the Fed tells us that they're right. targeting 2% inflation. When you look at how the CPI is calculated, you know, you can easily make the argument that it's higher than 2%. They're telling us where it's going. So, you know, we know what's coming. And real estate investors actually benefit from inflation three ways at the same time because you're hedging yourself with the price of the asset on its own, and then you benefit from the debt debasement. Secondly, when you take out a loan, when you take out a loan, the bank doesn't ask to be repaid in inflation adjusted dollars, and the tenant's paying that interest for you. The bank only has to be repaid in nominal dollars, nominal and meaning in name only. So, so, so one of the things you're saying is, well, so one of the, from a cash flow standpoint, let's ignore price for right now, but from a cash flow standpoint, because um, price is a little different in a fourplex than it is in a single family home. Because single family home, you have homeowners, uh, people who are going to live in that home that are buying those, not just not it's not just a rental property. You're not just looking at it from an investment standpoint. So if if you if you do that, and you're looking at um, uh, cash flow, do you are you seeing rents going up in the rental market? Rents have really flattened out. They're up as much as 15% year over year back in 2021 and 2022, but they've really flattened out. And for a real estate investor, I don't think it's smart to buy a property at negative cash flow, hoping it's going to cash flow tomorrow because, because hope's not a strategy. That's something we want to back off from. But, but Okay. But so let me ask you the question. So I've got to ask you the question, Keith. Okay. So if I've got my interest rate around 8%, cap rates haven't come down appreciably. So cap rates right now, presumably they are less than 8%. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. So that means that we're, we're upside down. So we talk about inversions. We are in, uh, we're actually an inverted cap rate situation where our cap rate is lower than our interest rate. So actually borrowing money to buy the property actually costs us more than we'll get. So it's a pretty, pretty rough strategy. Like you say, you don't want to bet that that's going to go up so that then you can end up your cap rate basically takes care of itself. So what are you telling people right now for, for the next 12 months? What are you telling your investors? Uh, if, if you've got an 8% interest rate that maybe could come down as low as 7% and cap rates are staying low, how do people find an investment that's worth investing in? Well, again, it's don't pay that rate. Get the builder to buy it down for you. There you New go. construction home builders, they're buying it down. But but Tom, since you brought up rent, and I'm talking about inflation, you know, one way that real estate investors profit from inflation that a lot of people don't understand is it um, say we just have 10% inflation over time. That might even take a couple years. And say then that you're able to bump up your rent 10%, just commensurate with inflation over time. That's all you're doing. If you bring up your rent 10%, your cash flow, as long as you're leveraged with a loan, could very well increase 25%. This is huge. This is the money you feel in your pocket every month. And why would that happen? Why, if inflation and rent are both 10%, why could your cash flow increase something like 20 or 25%? That's because your principal and interest payments stay fixed over time. That's something that inflation cannot touch. 
Now, inflation are pushing up your other operating expenses. They're also pushing up that total rent amount. So that's a cash flow enhancement benefit from inflation on your rents that real estate investors benefit from. And that, from is, a, that, is, that is actually assuming, though, that your rents are going up. Yes, your rents must increase, which they just tend to do only at about the rate of inflation. But that's really where you feel the arbitrage since your principal and interest payment Got stays it. fixed. So I still so, recommend getting a loan. So so this is a really good point is that if, if you can get a loan equal, uh, at least equal to your cap rate, you don't, I, I still, I'm still challenged with uh, loans that are, if you're if you're paying more than your cap rate, that's that that's like you you're talking about hope as a strategy. Yeah. Um, but let's say that you can uh, at least get it the same, so that you can leverage leverage that, and you do get to you know you're you're getting the benefit of inflation. Basically, inflation devalues the debt, right? So you are getting that. So that's absolutely a benefit there because any any um, principal that your uh, tenants are paying. Basically, um, they're paying it at the at the original rate, not the inflated rate. Okay, um, you so you see um, rents continuing to to follow inflation. Is that what you're saying? Over the long term, I expect them to continue to follow inflation. And, and Tom, we've kind of poked around at it now. Let me explain, if I could, something here at Get Rich Education that we call how real estate investors win the inflation triple crown. Real estate investors benefit from inflation. They don't just hedge. They actually profit from inflation because they have three different sources for this. The first one is cash flow enhancement. We already discussed that and how your cash flow outpaces inflation. The second one is just with that simple asset price appreciation. If you buy a million dollar fourplex, we've got 10% inflation, your fourplex goes to 1.1 million. You're kind of like, well, wait, how am I any better off? I've got 10% more dollars, but each one's worth 10% less. Aren't I right back where I started? Not if you have a loan. Because if you put a 200K down payment on that fourplex, that goes to 300K in equity with 10% inflation. So that's an asset price appreciation benefit that you get. The second leg of the inflation triple crown, and you touched on it, Tom, it's called debt debasement. If you got an 800K loan on this property with 10% inflation, you really only owe back 720K to the bank after 10% inflation because a bank doesn't ask Real to be dollars, repaid right. inflation adjusted dollars. Wages are higher, salaries are higher, and what else is probably higher? Rents. And that third one then is that cash flow enhancement benefit. That's the inflation triple crown. Three ways at the same time. It's how you benefit as a real estate investor when you get a loan on an income property. That's how to move. And, and of course, I have to add one more, which is the tax benefit. Because if, if you look at it, first of all, that increase in value is not taxable unless you sell the property. So if you borrow, if you do a refinance, let's say your interest rate goes down, your value goes up, you refinance, that refinance is not subject to tax. Second of all, you're getting a, you're still getting huge bonus depreciation. And there's even some talk in Congress that bonus depreciation will go back up to 100%. Um, there's a bill that they are working on in Congress uh, for everyone. Um, I didn't know if you knew this, Keith, but I'm going to the whole world here. There is a bill in Congress right now um, that they're looking at to um, go along with the research and development deduction, because um, that that's been a, a big bugaboo, frankly, for the 
for the U.S. Uh, technology uh, space and and the offset for the Democrats, because uh, that's a Republican initiative. The Democrat initiative is the child tax credit. And there is a there is something going on in there. So they're talking about this. And if that's the case, we might even get bonus depreciation going 100 percent retroactive to 2023. Well, if you think about that, let's say you get let's say on that million dollar fourplex, let's say you get a $200,000 deduction um, because of bonus depreciation. And if you're in a 40% tax rate, that's $80,000. Well, again, uh, if, you use, if you use leverage, okay, now you can buy another $400,000 home, right? With that $80,000, because you got you can put another 20 uh, 20% down you not now you're not buying a million dollars of of home but now you're buying a million four of property and that million four is going up with inflation so that's where i th see taxes in in your market being so important because if if i've got inflation if i got price inflation which we've seen huge price inflation in um in the single family home market in, in particular over the last few years if we can send, continue to see that price inflation then we get all of the inflation the bank doesn't get it and the government doesn't get it and so if you look at that now i've got a million four right and of that million four um if if that's going up 10 percent, that million four goes up one hundred forty thousand dollars not a hundred thousand dollars and you get the extra 40 as well as the hundred. So just, I want to add your fourth, the fourth leg here, uh, Keith, because I, I couldn't resist. A reset to bonus depreciation. That would be some icing on the cake. Wouldn't it? So, and even, even, even without it, we're still at 60% bonus depreciation next year. So we, we still have huge bonus depreciation, 80% still this year. For those of you who are looking at closing on a property with cash before the end of the year, um, you, you, you can then refinance it in January or whenever you can close on the property with cash, refinance it. The refinance is not subject to tax and uh, you get the bonus depreciation this year as long as it is uh, held out for rent by December 31st. So huge tax benefits, as you know, um, that go along um, with all, with the other three uh, uh, inflation hedges that you're talking about. So I, I see tax as a fourth inflation hedge. Sure. I mean, we've got the depreciation benefit, but a 1031 tax deferred exchange over time, that's probably the more powerful lever because a lot like you touched on there, Tom, you can just continue to re-lever those dollars. And if you do it right, you should never be paying capital gains tax on your right. real estate your entire career. Now, you do kind of get your money trapped in this real estate game in a sense, but you once you know how to invest, you, you gotta to ask yourself, investing. where would I rather have it? And, and that's a really good point. I'm really glad to, to hear that. Uh, you know, you're, you're right that builders have an incentive to keep building, right? Um, they, if they don't keep building, they, they are struggling. And uh, of course they ran in, we ran into that. We saw this in 2009, 10 and 11, where a lot of home builders stopped building. Um, and they, they pretty much cut their staff down to just a skeleton crew because they weren't, they weren't buying properties. They weren't building properties because nobody was, uh, was able to finance those properties. And uh, it, you know, what we, to see that builders are actually paying attention this time. And instead of doing that, they're actually instead reducing the, you know, taking the, a haircut on the interest rates. I think that's a, I think that's terrific.
Good point, because after 2008, one consequence of the big slowdown, the mortgage meltdown, the Great Recession, you touched on it, Tom, is people stopped building. So people that were laborers and carpenters, they just totally left the industry. And we now have difficulty finding enough people to train to build more supply. To my point earlier about the housing crash is a housing supply crash. This is one reason why supply in the one to four unit space hasn't become buoyant again. We just can't train that labor pool. They're not there. That's interesting. Okay. So, um, uh, before we get to your to final words, where can we find out more about you and Get Rich Education? Oh, well, thanks. You can listen to me every Monday on the Get Rich Education podcast. People's money either starts out in real estate or ends up in real estate. We tell you why and how. And if I can, Tom, real estate pays five ways at the same time. Just regular buy and hold property I made a course, a free course at getrichteducation.com slash course, five videos where I describe each of the five ways. And we add up your total rate of return from all five ways. I really recommend watching that. Now you know what to optimize. Now you know what to avoid. It's not the kind of course where I'm trying to upsell you to some paid course. You can get that real estate pays five ways at getrichteducation.com slash course. That's awesome. Thank you for making that offer. I think that's terrific. Um, we do need to learn, you know, what are the ins and outs of real estate? Uh, Keith, it's been great having you on the show. Any final thoughts or predictions for 2024? Inflation is just going to continue to be an economic malady for those people that don't own assets. You do want to own real assets that don't just hedge you against the inflation, but you actually profit from it three ways at the same time, like I described. That is almost completely predictable. So align your interests with what's predictable. Awesome. Thank you very much. Just remember when we uh, when when we do recognize that there we can take advantage of inflation. You know, most of the time, all we're hearing is the doom and gloom about inflation. But what about the positive aspects of inflation? When we're investors, um, the inflation helps us. Not only do we make way more money, but we pay way less tax. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.